I'm, um, <clears throat> I have a hard time uh, trying to figure out the stock market. I can't quite get my head around um, what makes it go up and uh, what makes it come down. But I did read uh, recently about something called the, um, the Fear and Greed Index. Apparently, the, the, the Fear and Greed Index is a, um, an indicator that some economists use to predict which direction the stock market might go. Fear, it seems, drives stocks down. Fear makes, makes stocks seem to be less valuable than they in actuality are. Greed, however, remember this is the fear and the greed index, greed apparently makes stocks seem to be much more valuable than they are. Fear makes them seem less valuable. Greed makes them seem more valuable than they really are. A really interesting thing to me, that greed would make something seem more valuable than in actuality it is. Uh, CNBC has a long-running documentary series. It's their longest-running uh, series on CNBC. It's titled American Greed. On their website, it's described like this. It explores the dark side of the American dream, where money seduces, power corrupts, and the line between right and wrong blurs fast. A recent episode was of a a story that's been in the news a lot, Lady Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Theranos, that Silicon Valley company that was going to revolutionize healthcare with a new, uh, really effective means of, um, of blood tests. But uh, two weeks ago, Elizabeth Holmes was convicted of fraud and corruption. It's been called a story of mega greed. I began to watch, knowing what I was going to talk about today, I began to watch the headlines recently, and um, I saw, I, I was looking for the word greed, and I saw that greed has been uh, blamed for a strike out in Cal uh, Colorado by Kroger employees, that greed has been blamed for our national inflation, that greed has been blamed for the shortage of hospital workers, and that greed has been blamed for the fact that Khloe Kardashian is selling her daughter's clothes at prices that are outrageous. So if you're interested in maybe clothes for your kids or grandkids, apparently Khloe is, is selling them. So, so greed, greed makes things seem more valuable than they really are. Greed blurs the line between right and wrong, and greed corrupts everything from our national economy to the workplace to the home. Greed. Sounds like we ought to have a conversation about greed, which is what we're going to do. We're in the second week of this series, The, the Seven Deadly Sins. We talked about pride last week, greed this week. More than 1,500 years ago, Christian thinkers began to reflect on what they saw as recurring sins, as as fundamental sins, as root sins. In fact, they said it seemed like that every sin grew out of one of these seven. Pride, envy, anger, sloth, gluttony, greed, and lust. Today we talk about greed, the insatiable desire for more, certainly for more money 
and more things, but greed is about more than, than finances and possessions. Greed is about more power, more prestige, more attention, more influence. Greed is the insatiable, insatiable desire for more everything. A moment ago, you heard Judd read about, or read the story, the beginning of the story, where a young man asked Jesus uh, to intervene and to make sure that his father's estate was divided fairly. But Jesus realized, knowing his heart, looking into his heart, he realized that this young man was not about fairness. It was all about, it was all about greed. And so he said, watch out, guard against and this is, the, this is the important line, all kinds of greed. Not just money and possessions, but power and prestige and attention and influence and all kinds of greed. Let me be clear, a longing to achieve is a good thing. A longing to do something important, a longing to accomplish something, a longing to achieve is not a bad thing. In fact, sloth, Laziness is also a deadly sin. The longing to achieve and, and even to be rewarded for that achievement is not a bad thing. In fact, that longing to achieve and to be rewarded has driven uh, humankind to our, our greatest accomplishments. However, <clears throat> the longing to achieve can turn bad quickly. The longing to achieve becomes bad when we mistake salaries and recognition for those things that can satisfy our souls. The longing to do something to achieve can go bad when we, when we hurt people we love and who love us, when we shove them to the side, to the edge of our schedules, and they are hurt, then the longing to achieve goes bad. The longing to achieve is bad when we exaggerate results when we manipulate numbers, when we violate our own personal code of ethics in order to get ahead. In other words, when we cheat in order to get ahead, the, the desire to achieve has gone bad. The desire to achieve goes bad when we become calloused, indifferent toward those who do not have the same opportunities that we have. The desire to to achieve is not a bad thing. It's just so easy for that desire to go bad. 2 Peter 2.14 says, they have their hearts trained in greed. Isn't that interesting? Trained as if we're learning greed. And I would suggest that in our American culture, we are learning, we are being trained in greed. There is plenty of greed. In fact, greed is more common in the American culture than sweet tea and cornbread were in the house where I grew up. There's greed everywhere and we are being trained and we're just, we're just learning it. Someone suggested that greed is the only consequence-free sin. Think about the deadly sins. If you're envious, you end up depressed. If you're angry, you might end up with a bloody nose. If you're slothful or lazy, you might end up fired. If you lust, you might end up with an unwanted pregnancy or a, the end of a marriage. But greed, what is the worst that could happen? You got a bunch of stuff, right? Bunch of money and stuff. 
But greed is not the consequence-free sin. In fact, greed will rob you of your soul. And Jesus asked, what good is it if people gain the entire world and lose their souls? What do I mean when I say greed will, will rob you of your soul? Greed, <clears throat> greed robs us of our sense of meaning and purpose. Greed robs us of our, our moral compass. Greed robs us of our self-respect. And, and greed, greed forces us to, into relationships or situations that we would never be in. And greed, greed makes us into hollow, shallow people. Greed will suck the life out of your soul. So how do we overcome greed? Well, the Bible helps us with that. In your programs, if you're in the room, get your outlines that are the programs, the bulletin you got when you came in the room, and there is an outline that will help us overcome greed. So the Bible offers us some great help. So how do we battle greed? Greed's not good for us. How do we battle greed? Number one, you'll see on your outline, number one is we can be generous. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world to be generous and willing to share. It's interesting to me that the word for liberality and for liberty come from the same root. So liberal giving, generous giving, is freeing. It is liberating. It will liberate us from the, the shackles of, of greed. We all love Chick-fil-A, right? Christian chicken, we call it. Chick-fil-A. We, we love, you know, I, so when I drive by the corner over here where the, the drive-by Chick-fil-A, drive-through, not the drive-by, but the drive-through Chick-fil-A is, or on Whitesburg or wherever I see it, they're always just a boatload of people there. And I'll, I think every time I drive by and see that, that, that all those people in line, I think about what Yogi Berra said. Nobody goes there anymore. It's always too crowded. You think about that one. I'll, I'll come back to you next week on that one. But it's, it's always crowded, right? We love it because we love their chicken, but we also love the legacy that Truett and Jeanette Cathy left. Their legacy of generosity. Many of you know about Windshape and all that that they do for, for people. Truett Cathy wrote a book titled The Generosity Factor. And he said this, success is measured by wealth, ambition, and status. But significance is measured by generosity, relationships, and service. Let me say that again. Success is measured by wealth, achievement, and status. But significance, which I think most of us really long for in our hearts, is measured by generosity, relationships, and service. The Bible says that an antidote to greed is to be generous with our money, with our time, with our emotions, with our involvement, our schedules, if you want to overcome greed, the Bible would say, number one, be uh, generous. 
Number two, we can simplify. Ecclesiastes 5.11, all this is on your outline. What benefits are goods or things to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? Matthew 6, Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. We can simplify. Of course, simplicity is relative. There are people in the world who would roll their eyes at our conversation about simplicity. But we have to start where we are. So what if we were just to simplify in certain areas like, like clothes or entertainment or cars? What if we were just to spend less on clothes, entertainment, and cars? Now, I, please hear me. I don't mean that to be a good Christian, you have to wear homemade shoes or that you have to sell your flat screen TV or that we have to drive smart cars. You know, smart cars, those little ones you could park in your bathroom. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about just living more simply. Remember what uh, Forrest Gump said? Mama said, there's only so much fortune a man really needs, and the rest is just for showing off. Only so much we need, and the rest is for showing off. So we could, we could be generous. We could simplify. Uh, and we could, um, we could learn to be content. Remember that being content is not about getting more. It's about wanting less and being happy with what we have. Contentment is not about getting more. It's about wanting less and being happy with what we have. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8 is on your outline. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we'll come back to that, and we can take nothing out of it. But if, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. The human desire for more is not new. Epicurus, the fourth century Greek philosopher, said nothing is enough for the man for whom enough is too little. Even before that, God inspired the writer of Ecclesiastes to say, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Contentment comes not in getting more, but in wanting less and being happy with what we have. A financial guru went on vacation to a fishing village. In this fishing village, he saw a tan man sitting in the shade enjoying the tropical breeze by the water with a lemonade in one hand and his wife by his side. The financial guru approached the local guy sitting there by the water and enjoying the breeze and the shade with lemonade and his wife next to him. And the, the vacationing financial guru asked the the local guy, so what do you do for a living? He said, I'm, I'm a fisherman. Oh, the financial guru on vacation said, I hear the fishing in these waters is great. You must catch a lot of fish. Well, the man said, I, I do okay. I catch enough in the mornings uh, to provide for my family. Well, the financial guru said, giving him financial advice, you should expand. What do you mean? Well, you could buy more boats. You could hire more fishermen. You could become wealthy. Sure, the, the, the financial guru on vacation said the hours would be long and the work would be hard and, and you'd be away from home and the stress would be great, but you could become wealthy. And why would I do that? The local fisherman said, well, he said, one day you could become wealthy, then one day you could retire and sit by the water and relax. 
fisherman looked around. He was sitting by the water in the shade, enjoying the tropical breezes with a lemonade in his hand and his wife by his side. And he said to the vacationing financial guru, I don't get your point. In fact, some of you country music fans know that Garth Brooks has a song titled Fish, which is almost the same story. And for those others of you who aren't cultured, you won't get that, but there is a, a good song titled Fish. Because contentment comes not in getting more, but in wanting less and choosing to enjoy what we have. We can be generous. We can simplify. We can learn to be content. And fourth, we can remember that our treasure is temporary. 1 Timothy 6, we read it a moment ago. We brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Psalm 36, 9, people heap up wealth not knowing who will get it. All those things that are so important to us, one day probably, one day probably, will belong to someone else. A man named Joel Idenes said that one afternoon he took his seven-year-old daughter, Kristen, to the city dump. They had gone there not to dispose of things, but to look at things. He said he, he put his little daughter up on the roof of the car with a notepad and something to write with. And he asked Kristen, his little girl, uh, to write down everything that she could identify. She identified a plastic swimming pool, a barbecue grill, and several lawn chairs. Barbie dolls, bicycles, skateboards, pretend ovens, radios, I guess this was a long time ago, televisions, everything a, a seven-year-old girl could dream of and more. Joel Idness said he never would forget and he thought Kristen never would forget that day. When they sat and looked at the dump and, and thought about all those things that once were so important to so many people. People heap up wealth not knowing who will get it. <coughs> Greed will rob your soul, but we can be generous and we can simplify. And we can learn to be content and we can remember that everything we have is temporary. 1987, and it's hard to believe it's been that long, Michael Douglas's character, Gordon Gekko, in the movie Wall Street, made a speech that is famous. Gordon Gekko was speaking to a big room full of stockholders. And he said this, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Now, if Gordon Gekko was talking about the longing to achieve and the desire to be recognized or to, to be rewarded for that achievement, then I'd say, yeah, that's okay. But my hunch is that's not what he was talking about. I believe he's talking about the insatiable desire for more, for more money and more possessions and more power and prestige and more attention and more influence. And greed is just not good. You are not wired for greed. 1996, the summer of 1996, our family went to Six Flags over Georgia. And we got
and spend it however you want. And Carrie probably said something about spend it wisely. So we, we spent the day riding rides, doing all you do at, you know, eating unhealthy stuff and all that you do at a, an amusement park. And, and near the end of the day, we ended up in the, in the arcade section. I don't mean a big room with um, pinball machines, but at least in, in 1996, it looked like the county fair, you know, where you can, you can throw balls and, and try to knock bottles over, or you can shoot at ducks that are going back and forth. Well, the, the game that, that Landon and Grant, Landon, our oldest, was 11, our youngest was 6. Grant was 6. What they were attracted to was this game where you shot a basketball uh, into the hoop. If you made it into the hoop, you got to choose. And they had a whole wall full of, of basketballs from all the SEC schools, maybe some pro schools too, I mean pro teams too, but all the SEC schools had basketballs up there. And so um, Landon, went, Landon paid his money. And he, he dribbled a few times, and, um, and he, he shot the ball, and um, it, it went in the hoop. And we hollered and cheered. We were so happy. And he chose a ball. He chose, he chose an Alabama basketball. And then, then it was Grant's turn. And now he was actually a better athlete than Landon. And he really wanted a, a basketball. He had his eye on one, and I'll tell you which one it was in a minute. Uh, he had his eye on that basketball, and he stepped up, and he dribbled, and he, he shot. By the way, Billy, he wanted a Kentucky basketball, <laughs> which was worth a lot more before yesterday, right? <laughs> sorry, man. I'm so sorry. And, and have I told you, did he make it or miss it yet? Anyway, so Grant shot it, and he missed it. And oh, he was brokenhearted. Well, they only had so much money. And as I remember it, neither one of them had enough to shoot again. But Landon and Grant got together. They pooled their money, and Landon was going to shoot for Grant. So Landon, who was not as good a shot probably as Grant, but he was older, and it was a long way up there. Landon uh, dribbled the ball a couple of times, and um, when, he, when he let it fly, it looked like it was go in. Those things are rigged, you know, they are rigged. They, the holes are small, they're probably slanted in some way. We held our breath. It went in. We cheered like we had won the NCAA tournament. It was so cool, and Grant got his Kentucky basketball, and we dribbled, the two boys dribbled to the exit of Six Flags, and as they dribbled, Landon dribbled up next to me, and he looked up and he said, Dad, winning that basketball for Grant felt better than winning the basketball for myself. Why is that? Because he's wired that way. And so are you. And so am I. In our mother's womb, God wired us so that winning basketballs for other people feels a whole heap better than winning basketballs for ourselves. Greed will rob you of your soul. Don't be greedy. 